Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's a Monday morning, bright, sunny, downtown Charlotte and Molly has a beautiful day. It's another beautiful day in your neighborhood, I hope, wherever you happen to live, in the Pacific, in the mountain, zone area, central zone area, or eastern zone. It's time once again for another edition of Coffee Shop Conversation segment. Today, we are going to be looking at solving the love problem with Jed, our featured Yes, on Mondays at 10. Good morning, Jed. Hey, hey guys. Good morning. It's great to be here great, again. Great. Yes, a week has gone by. Poof, like that. Here's our co-host, Shatila. Good morning, Shatila. Good morning, y'all. Great. So, Jed, today we're going to talk about solving the love problem. Mark, my goodness. What is the love problem? Tell us about it. I was going to ask you. Um, and I want to start off by asking you, because I love the way that we do this show. You know, we call it Coffee okay. Shop Conversations, and it really is it really is just kind of a conversation between the three of us, right? Right. I mean, we don't have a script. Everything's not super planned out. And so I looked at the schedule and saw you had written down Solving the Love Problem, and um, I got excited about this topic. Like, I can't wait to dive in. <laughs> but I'm also, when I read it, I was like, okay, so I wonder what, ATN means by this, because I think I know what you mean, and I've got all sorts of ideas and stuff that I can't wait to share, but before we dive into all of that, I can't wait to kind of get your take on it, too, so before I give you kind of my thoughts on what the love problem is, I want to hear from you guys. What What is the love problem? Well, my good friend, my friend, my friend, my friend, you're the one that started it all, so I'll pick up where you left off. <laughs> <laughs> Loving somebody I know with the initials of JJ, who lives in California with his wife Jenny, once said, Loving others is easy when people act nice and life is smooth. When life gets messy, it takes wisdom to love well. And it got me thinking, hey, love is involved in all levels of relationships. Now, we don't always call it love, we go by different names. We go by friendship, we go by friends, we go by association. Those are all terms that nevertheless involve love in some way, shape, or form. So I guess what we're saying and what I was saying is basically the love problem is when we are trying to maintain a relationship, the lack of love or the reduced amount of love interferes with the maximum flow of friendship. 
Does that make sense? It does. In fact, you've um, kind of latched onto one of my favorite things right now, which is it takes wisdom to love well, and that's something that I've yes. really been learning a lot over the over the past decade. I think one of the love problems is that we grow up thinking that we know what love is, and something that I hear over and over again in working with children and families, um, especially children who are going through crisis, who've been through trauma. Um, a lot of yeah. kids who are acting out is, you know, they just need more love. Um, if they just had more love, everything would be fixed. And, you know, a lot of times I hear parents apply that to kids, but I also kind of see that all over. We see a couple who's having a crisis in their marriage or their relationship, and we think, oh, they just need to love each other better. They just need more love. They need to be nicer, kinder, gentler, more loving. Um, but love mm-hmm. is really complex, and I think sometimes we oversimplify the problem. Um, you know, almost take that Disney fairy tale fantasy mentality that says if we just have enough love, if we just feel strongly enough towards this person, everything's going to work out fine, and we're all going to live happily ever after. And really, it yes. takes a lot of wisdom to love well. So it takes a lot of wisdom to love well. Wow, profound life statements. Is filled, it, life's filled with nuances. There's all sorts of little intricate details that make love look different for each person. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. what I mean when I say it takes wisdom to love well. Cecilia, tell me what you think, because I want to hear more from you kind of about, about the love problem and how you see it and what it is. Well, I would say the love problem, you know, in my regards would be uh, throwing that word out loosely and not having a follow-up behind it um, and not um, doing what you did in the beginning to get your partner to keep your partner. Mm-hmm. So I think that the love problem would be for people to be um, getting comfortable in their situation and forgetting where they started. Absolutely. So kind of that complacency of, you know, we're together now, we love each other, everything's good, and then letting some of the some of the small things that you did in the very beginning go. Right. I would also say that um, the love problem would be, you know, um, for with there being a lack of communication in some relationships, I think that's a big cause of it, and also... Uh, for you not to be a listening ear or a sounding board for your partner as well. Absolutely. In fact, I wrote a lot down about listening to to talk about today, too. Um, But we've been kind of, right now, talking a lot of theory. So I want to give a concrete example of when the love problem just became super, super clear in my mind. And um, I was watching an episode of Cops on TV, and it's... um, basically where camera crew follows, you know, real-life police officers all around and get everything on on video. And so in this episode, they had um, police officers who pulled up to a church, and they were talking to the pastor. And the pastor was telling the story about how there was a man in his congregation who the day before um, came to him after the Sunday morning service and said, Pastor, my life's a mess. I need your help that I'm struggling with alcoholism, my marriage is falling apart, you know, my relationship with God is just in shambles. 
you know, what can I do? Do something to help me. The pastor said, I would love to. I'm glad you came to me for help. Um, I want to pray with you. I want to study with you. Um, we need to get you um, sober, detoxed. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in a hotel, and I'm going to come by every day. I'm going to let you detox. I'm let you sober up. I'll pray with you. I'll study with you. I'll read the Bible with you, um, and we'll get through this together. So pastor had this really generous and helpful and giving heart, um, but then the police officer shows up and says, Pastor, we've got a problem. Um, there's been credit card fraud. Um, we've noticed that on the church credit card, or at least your credit card company, um, noticed that large quantities of alcohol have been purchased on the church credit card. And we've gone down wow. to the hotel, we've got this guy, and he's got your credit card. What is going on? And the pastor starts shaking his head and tells the story. And apparently what happened was the pastor took this man to a hotel, put him up in a room yeah. put it on the church credit card, and the guy wandered down to the hotel bar and said, hey, I'd like a beer, and put it on my tab. And, of course, the oh. hotel tab was connected to the church credit card. Credit card company yeah. looked at it and said, wait a minute, this is a church credit card. Something fishy is going on. And so the show yes. ended with this man being led away in handcuffs and the pastor there shaking his head and just saying, man, I thought this guy really wanted help. What is going on? Now, yes. when I watched this show, I had a different reaction than that of the pastor. I got mad, but not at the guy in the hotel. And I felt yeah. myself getting really upset with this pastor because, you know, working in a recovery program at the time, one of the things that I was learning is that something that will cause somebody who has a drinking problem to really return to that, that addiction, addiction, to really want to drink, are things like being lonely, being bored. And I was thinking, man, there's nothing more lonely and more boring than a isolated little hotel room by yourself. And so a lot yeah. of people who are struggling with addiction, there's a reason for it. You know, sometimes it's a painful right. past, it's past trauma, it's past hurt. You get alone in a hotel room, and whatever that reason is, it's going to come flooding at you like nothing else because you're alone with your thoughts and there's nothing to do. And that well, doesn't mean that what this guy did was okay, but he was in a situation where he was highly unlikely to succeed. Yes. So I'll let you yes. jump in. The pastor thought he was loving, but really he was doing probably one of the least loving things that he could do for this guy. Right. Um, exactly. Had he yes. really loved this guy well, he would have got him connected with a recovery program. He would have got him there you go. connected to somebody who really knew what was going on and was really able to exactly. um, do the next right thing for this guy. So jump in. I want to want to hear from you. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you on that point. The pastor meant well, but the pastor didn't go far enough. I mean, a person who is addicted to any form of substance functions as a three-year-old. They just want yeah. more of the same because it, it, it fed them. And all the common sense that outsiders say to them doesn't make any sense at all. All they would do is comply temporarily to get to the next fix. And as you said yeah. so well, 
what it was needed more than anything else is not a not a hotel room, not a three meals, but a structured room and place for recovery. For recovery. That's a key word right there. Not just saying I'm gonna pray with you. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when a person is so far down deep into alcoholism, into addiction of whatever kind, they need a recovery program. An ongoing twenty eight day recovery program at least. Some even more than that. But at the minimum twenty eight days. We have found that people we're talking about not just the body, not just the brain, but the mixture of everything. The chemical, the body, the brain, the thinking, everything is side-swiped. And it has to be brought upright before that person can start functioning again. So let's get back to the pastor. The pastor was yeah. functioning out of love. But the pastor didn't take it far enough to realize it was more than love needed in this case. Love yeah. and resources and action. Well, and wisdom, because what I think is the pastor thought he was acting out of love, but really he was doing probably one of the least loving things that he could do because, man, this poor guy ended up in handcuffs, ended up going to jail, had another failure, you know, kind of attached to his, his record. Yes. I think a lot, yes. of, a lot of the times the things that we think are loving really might not be loving at all. And so that's where it goes exactly. back to it takes wisdom to love well. And in my mind, that's what the love problem is, is we think we're acting in a loving way, but really we're, even in some cases, hurting other people around us more than we're helping them. Well, that's a good way to put it, Dejit, because before we can really love the other person, I think we need to know the person. If we're loving someone from our own perspective, that's all fun and good from our perspective. But that doesn't mean that it's the other person's perspective. So there needs to be some kind of interaction, get to know each other, get to know what are the needs and wants of the other person, and provide those wants and needs to the best of our ability. Once we do that out of concern for the other person, then love begins to flow. Very well said. I love how you bring perspective to it. I think I've told you my, my favorite definition of love before. Have I have I shared it before? I don't recall if you did or not. It doesn't ring a bell right now. So one of my favorite definitions of love is doing the next right thing for the other person. Oh, so okay. Not necessarily doing what feels good or doing what we think best but it's doing the next right thing for the other person. And in this case, you know, with this um, pastor and this member of his congregation, the next right thing for this man would have been to connect them to a good program, connect them to somebody who yes. had been through the process before. Um, interesting thing about love is, you know, it only takes a few minutes to, to learn about, but it takes a lifetime to really fully understand and I think about that story in the Bible where somebody came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. And that sums up the entire law and prophet. So over 600 Old Testament commands summed up in the phrase, love God, love others, you know, for simple words, I love easy to memorize, yeah, 
yes. easy to memorize, but really takes a lifetime to live out and to put into into practice. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, you're really opening up. I, I like the way you do this. You take the psychology of human behavior, add it to the wisdom of the Bible, and what's we got? We got biblical wisdom that is going to lead us <laughs> onward and upward and improve our relationships, our families, and our faith. Fantastic, Jed. You got something going yeah. on. When I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking when, when I grow up, I want to be like you guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just really hear that. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. I want to hear from you. No, I was wondering, maybe I missed something. What was the point of him putting him in a hotel? You know, I think it was just to kind of get him out of his old environment, um, let him sober up, get him away from whatever bad influences he had at home. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the what all the reasoning was behind that, but for whatever for whatever reason, that's what his pastor thought he needed to do. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> that was. I think that right there was the issue. You know, I don't see what was the point of him putting him in a hotel because whatever he's doing at home, he's going to take the same problems to the hotel. So <laughs> that's his fault. Wow. Yeah. But you know what? We do the same thing, though. I mean, I think yeah, we I do. parents do this all the time with their kids, and I probably do it with my own kids and, you know, don't even realize that I'm doing it is we think we know what's best for the other person and just dive in. You know, we say this is the way my parents raised me. So we start using the tools that we grew up with or the tools that we have without really stopping to examine, you know, is this the best way to love our kids? Right. You're right. Well, and sometimes we think we're loving our children by buying them the most expensive things that they want. But is that what they really need? Yeah. You're right. All right. The one thing that I wrote down, especially when it comes to um, finding wisdom for loving well, I I put down view love as a roller coaster and experiment and and an adventure, but not as a dot to dot. And um, that's something that comes from my own life. there was a time when I was going through just a bunch of tough stuff, and I sought wisdom from pastors, counselors, um, leaders, wise people I knew. And I've told this story before. Their advice to me was pray more, read the Bible, attend church regularly, and trust God for the results. And it was almost yes. like this dot to dot that they were going to have me follow. You know, you pray, you know, dot one, connect that to read the Bible, dot two, connect that to attend church regularly, that's dot three. You connect that to trust God for results, that's dot four. And it was almost like this clear path that was outlined. And, you know, if you do A, B, and C, then God's going to do D, E, and F, and, you know, everything's going to work out fine. Um, It sounded really good for me when I put it into practice and I started praying, reading the Bible, going to church, really developing my spiritual life, and all of my problems got worse. For me, that was devastating. It felt like my world was turned upside down. It was like, wait a minute, here I'm doing everything right, everything I'm supposed to do, 
and why is God not answering? What is going on? You know, is God mad at me? What am I doing wrong? Why isn't this working? Um, so for me, that was that was pretty devastating advice, and it would have been far better to, um, you know, had these counselors and people who surrounded me be loved more as a roller coaster, just, you know, said, Jed, sometimes we don't know why tough things happen. Sometimes in the middle of the storm, we don't know why God allows them to happen. You know, a lot of times it is a roller coaster. There's ups and downs, and you can really follow God, really trust God for the results, and still have those tough times. Wow. Jed, you said something. I'm sorry. Let me jump in in a minute. You said something about um, science and scripture teaming up. What did you mean by that? Oh, I love that. You know, the more I study psychology, well, first of all, let me go back to the question I'm most often asked as a psychology professor. Um, Okay. I started when I was back in grad school, when I was going through um, the psychology program, I had just started, and I was sitting down with Mike and Jeannie for breakfast, two of my good friends, and they asked me the question that I'd hear over and over again in the coming years, which was, Jed, how do you reconcile psychology with your faith? And it's really kind of a question that I get asked every time I teach a psychology class. It kind of comes in different forms. Um, sometimes it's, Jed, how do you justify combining psychology, man's wisdom, with scripture, God's wisdom? You know, how do you reconcile putting those two together? And mm-hmm. my new answer for that is I don't, I don't reconcile psychology and my faith. And I will tell you exactly why I don't. It's because I don't need to. So psychology is defined as the science of human relationships, human behavior, human relationships. And believe it or not, um, sorry, I'm pausing for a minute to kind of collect all my thoughts and think of how I can explain this in the clearest way. So psychology is the science okay. of human relationships. Go back to your earliest science classes, maybe third, fourth, fifth grade science, when you were doing those science projects. And so in those early science projects, what you would do is you would come up with a hypothesis, hypothesis, right, a theory about how something's going to work. You would do an yeah. experiment. You would test out your hypothesis, and then you would record your results. And at the end, you would write mm-hmm. up your paper saying, hey, I guess that – you know, plants who are um, fed coke instead of water will flourish and thrive. And instead I found out that when I um, gave plants nothing more to drink than a can of coke a day, they kind of wilted and eventually over the course of a couple of weeks they, they died. Um, yeah. you know, and this is what I found out. And a lot of times you'll repeat the experiment a couple different times. You'll repeat it with a couple different liquids and you'll find out, man, the plants that were given coffee, they sprouted up first, but then they had no root and nowhere to go. And now, you know, and I don't know for sure that this happens. I'm trying to think back to some of my old experiments, and that was that was a long, long time ago. But here's what but, I want to take you to. Do you know psychology is in the Bible? Yeah. All over the place, except it, it has been called psychology. <laughs> it isn't called psychology, but it's all over the place. And it doesn't take exactly. long for that to pop up. So 
So I'm going to dive into scripture really quick. We'll go into the book of Genesis. You know, it starts off with God creating the heavens and the earth. After God created the world, takes the very first man, Adam, puts him in this beautiful garden he created called Eden. And then it says God takes the animals one by one, brings them before Adam, and whatever Adam um, names the animals, that's, that's their name. And during this whole process, Adam's looking for his partner. And so after every animal goes by Adam, it says that there was no helper suitable for Adam. So God put Adam into a deep sleep, takes one of his ribs, and makes the very first woman named Eve. Now, God could have bypassed this whole process. He could have just said, hey, Adam, you're not going to find a wife among all the animals, so I'm going to create you a woman. But instead, he puts Adam through this scientific process. All right, so here's the lions. Adam says, yep, they're lions. Have them passed. Um, you know, they're not my, they're not my other half. And so it's really the scientific, you know, kind of process of discovery in psychology. I see. Wow. And so We're really right from, what yeah. oh, right from the beginning, we the... see these kind of, oh, go ahead, jump in. Now, I was just going to say, um, it all comes back to what we're saying about psychology in the Bible. Although it's not mentioned as psychology, everything you could think about that is mentioned about relationship with God, relationship with one another, comes down to the word relationships. How we deal with each other, how we don't deal with each other, what will not make our relationships work, therefore we are given a command not to do it. We don't kill each other, help each other, love each other, love God. These are all relationship issues. And we're given a rule, a plan, a guidance to improve that relationship. But sometimes we don't hear it. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't do it. Yeah. So I love the fact that God gives us the ability to learn and grow and discover. And that's really what psychology is. And what I'm learning as I study psychology is that, you know, there's some weird weird stuff in psychology, we got to be honest. Um, you know, if we go back to Freud, who kind of hypersexualized everything, we see some weird, you know, some ideas that are just weird and strange and unusual. The more psychology progresses, the more the weird stuff falls off, and the more yeah. tools and techniques that are aligned with scripture remain. I just think that's so cool, because really what psychology is studying or learning is that um, God said it first. You know, it all the key principles that um, therapists are using that are helping people get better really are the ones that are in alignment with God's word, which makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me because, you know, God created us. He knows how we function best. And so it's no surprise that when we live his way, when we apply his tools to our lives, that we do get better. Yeah. Well, one thing I've noticed, too, when it comes to psychology, at least psychology from an individual standpoint, when things around us, let me back a little bit, we function by means of our five senses. 
and those were created for us. We didn't have to go out and buy them or add them or fix them like we do with a toy. The toy is there, but you have to go buy batteries to make it work. Well, our bodies were already made with everything we needed, but we needed to interact with our environment. And to do so, we had all the five senses. Now, with those five senses, we could do things, improve things, improve relationships, do whatever we need to do if we take time to do it. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. the, the, the problem breaks down because we didn't do enough, or sometimes the problem breaks down because it was an external problem. For example, there was a situation going on that we have no control over. But what we would do is internalize it negatively, negatively. So we would fuss and complain, oh, my gosh, my car is in the fridge. I don't have money to buy it, this and that or whatever. And we look at all the negative things, 50 negative things, but we overlook the one positive thing that may have been a good reason why it happened. If the car is broken down, now we have to walk. We have to come up with an alternative. And as we decided to walk to work while the car is being repaired, we come to realize, hey, you know what? That exercise program I was dreading for the longest time, I'm now doing it without even realizing I'm doing it. Now, I'm talking from experience, not so much of the car broken down, but when I first came back home four years ago, I, it took me a while to get a car. I, I looked around to find a car. But before I did, I had to walk everywhere I went. Yet I was shocked that about a month into doing all this walking, I lost 30 pounds. Now, I have a car, but guess what? I've gained 60 pounds. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, I think that's key, though, that's kind of going back to the idea of solving the love problem. I think that's um, like a good tool to use is... Yes. Staying focused on the pro- on the positive and staying focused on the creative solutions. I think a lot exactly. of times in our relationships, um, it's just so easy to get tuned in on the small negative things um, yes. versus realizing, you know, all the good things that we do have there. So I love that of staying focused on the good, um, looking for the creative solutions, and a lot of times even hidden in the problems are good things that um, – we don't even know we're there, like you and your car and not having a car yes. and walking. And I'm sure that's annoying and that's frustrating. And then pretty soon it's hey, we're in really, really good shape. Yes. I'll give you yeah, before kind you know, one of mine. Yeah. Um, well, before you do that, before you do that, let's, let's jump in for a minute. We are in a half an hour, Mark. Uh, let's tell folks about your book about psychology and the Bible and where they can get a copy of it. Absolutely. So Coffee Shop Conversations, Psychology in the Bible, Live, Lead, and Love Well. It's um, quite the mouthful for the title. Um, it's the very first book that I started writing, and it's on Amazon. Um, easiest way to find okay. it is just go to Amazon and type in Coffee Shop Conversations, Psychology in the Bible, and it will come right up. Um, you can also go to my website, coffeeshopconversations.com, and there's a link to it um, right in the sidebar. Okay. And while we're talking about your website, your blog, you have something that you've started, I think, that is called Friday Afternoons Link Up? Oh, the, yeah, Friday Family, Friendship, and Faith Link Up. And that's for anyone who writes and blogs. Um, 
it's really kind of an opportunity to learn about um, what I'm learning about writing. It's um, kind of funny. It um, turned into one of the most popular posts on my site. And what I started doing is, since I'm still fairly new to writing and the writing process, every Friday I would write about what I'm learning. So what I'm learning about blogging, what I'm learning about writing books, um, what I'm learning about kind of building an online tribe and following. And I would put that together in a post. And then at the end, um, I'd invite anybody else who writes or blogs to link up one of their articles as well. And um, really been a neat community that's been forming. And it's turned out to be one of the um, most popular posts on my site. I know that Fridays is the day when I'm going to get the most traffic to coffee shop conversations. But wow. most people are going to join in the discussion. So kind of started off as an accident and just something that I was doing really a lot for me, those um, sitting down and writing about what I was learning solidified a lot of it wow. for myself. And it was kind of fun yeah. to watch other people get excited and then join in the discussion too because a lot of times people write, yeah, that's what I'm learning too and here's what I'm trying. So it's really been um, just kind of fun and engaging and um, it's a cool way to meet a lot of um, really neat people too. Well, that's interesting. I was talking to a good friend of mine on my Saturday show. She does a blog on vintage Virgin Islands, and I refer her to you. So be on the lookout for the name Valerie Sims of Vintage, vintage Virgin Islands blog. I think it's vivintage.com. It's a blog. But it's interesting. Very nice. Well, yeah. I'll probably see some of her articles on there because if I see any – Anything connected to the Virgin Islands, I'll know it came from you guys. <laughs> of course, of course. But she's in the Cayman Islands. Yeah. She's originally uh-huh. from the Virgin Islands. living there now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyhow, let's get back to the topic at hand and the love problem. So take it away, Jed. The love problem. So in solving the love problem, we've talked so far about um, – Diving into wisdom, not seeing things as a dot-to-dot, but kind of taking, treating each person individually. And just kind of in my own notes for um, solving the love problem, um, I put down kind of that age-old question of, um, well, let me start with this. Have you ever heard those would-you-rather questions? Would you rather? Would you rather? Yes. No, I've, had, you I've know, heard like, the what-if questions. What if this? What if that? So there's there's whole books on the would you rather questions now. So mm. questions like would you rather have a pencil sharpening nostril or ketchup dispensing belly button? Or would you rather wear a snowsuit in the desert, caught in your underwear during an Alaska snowstorm? <laughs> so really just kind of two choices that, you know, make you choose between two, you know, pretty tough or different difficult scenarios. So I want to go back to one of the original would you rather questions, and that's the would you rather spend quality time together or quantity time together? And I I hear parents ask that all the time, you know, which is more important, quality time or quantity time? A lot of parents I know kind of lean towards that quality time. Say, you know what, we only have a little bit of time together as a family this week, but it's it's okay because it was really good, high-quality time. And yeah. um, I think one way to 
solve the love problem is to get rid of that would-you-rather question entirely and stop thinking of time together as a family in terms of, you know, quality and quantity and realize that you just have to have both. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is, you know, so often the quality time comes out of the quantity time. And I'll give you a great example of this. Um, Last week, Jenny's Jenny's running daycare, and she's only allowed to have so many kiddos in the house under the age of two. And so we just filled up our um, under two spots. And so I decided to take Addison out on a daddy-daughter date for the day of last week so that Jenny could um, open up an additional spot in the daycare. And wasn't quite sure what we were going to do. I tossed a baby backpack in the car, tossed a bunch of snacks and some water, and we just kind of headed out. Um, we ended up going to the park. We ended up going to the beach, um, put Addison in the baby backpack, and we just walked and walked and walked. And um, it was it was fun. We finally ended up at this place where there was um, just a huge rock that jutted out into the ocean and lots of tide pools. And Addison loved it because she could just, you know, splash around and walk in these little pools of water. And uh-huh. as we're walking and hiking, you know, I'm stopping every now and then and taking pictures. Um, so end of the day, a long, long day, I come home and I'm telling Jenny about the day and I'm like, oh, I've got pictures too. Do you want to see them? And so um, Addison gets all excited. She comes over. We're looking at the pictures of my phone. And um, yeah, every picture of Addison, she is just beaming. I had no idea, but, man, we're looking at her in my in the backpack, and she's just got this enormous ear-to-ear grin on her face. I just kind of thought we were hanging out, and it was, you know, kind of cool, and she seemed pretty content. Man, she was just beaming. For her, that was quality time. And it really mm-hmm. came about because her and I were forced to spend the whole day together. And so what I'm, <laughs> I'm learning is that quality time comes out of quantity time, which for me is um, something that I need to do because I tend to, or something I need to learn because I tend to kind of rush through my day. So for me, it's it's a reminder to slow down and spend more time with my kids and don't think, man, I gave them my full attention for, you know, 15 minutes. We played a game together and I was focused and I was present and I was there. It's now realizing that's not enough. But also got to make sure I get that really good quality time in, or quantity time. Right. In right. What do you guys think? Interesting. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I would say that you know, with me being here in the Virgin Islands for over a month, I've realized that as well. So when I get back to Atlanta, I will spend more quality and quantity time with my little ones. You know, because time goes fast, and if you blink, you may miss something. So I'm looking forward to it. But you're right, Jed. Let me let me share something with you about her daughter, her two-year-old daughter. When she did a video chat with her daughter, her daughter's first comment was, Mommy, where's your makeup? Is that yeah, what she said? Yeah, where's your makeup? <laughs> 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 she was not used that's to seeing her without her makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, I think, what's going to you. Yeah, she's two. She'll be three in July. It was the first time she saw your dark makeup, eh? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Early morning call. Yeah, where's your makeup? Where's your lipstick? Where, she said, is something wrong? 
daughters who used to see their makeup. Wow. Yeah. But I do agree that the quantity versus quantity, quantity versus quality is very important, you know, in all relationships that you have in your life, whether it's your children, your loved ones, or whomever, because, you know, life is short, and I think we need to take advantage of it and capture the moment while we're in it. Absolutely. Well, and Shatila, what you said is so true. I mean, the time goes by so quick, and it, you know, sounds very cliche, and I remember when I didn't have kids, I would hear parents say it all the time, you know, life goes by so quick, and I'm just thinking, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. It's almost like you have your first child, and all of a sudden somebody reaches down and hits the fast-forward button on your life because yeah. after that, things just speed up. Wow. You're right. I remember when I was younger, you know, thinking like, well, you know, I'm young and I'm going to be young forever. And no, now I'm older and I'm like, wow, I need to. <laughs> where did the time go? Exactly. <laughs> Talking about where did the time go to? Right? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Not on life. I have to pause you right now because we have a shorter time today. We have about four minutes remaining, yet, so we need to summarize and wrap things up. Sounds good to me. So summarizing the love problem is love is easy to learn about, but it really takes a lifetime to learn to love well. And that's something that yeah. that I'm learning. You know, um, life is always changing. Um, we're changing. People around us are changing, um, especially as a daddy to four girls. It's, it's amazing how much they change even just <laughs> week to week. And because of that, kind of our definition and understanding of love has to constantly be growing, expanding, and developing, and it really does take wisdom to love well. And that's something that I'm We're continually learning and um, something that I'm trying to live out and apply to my own life. Rachel, you have to set up five sets of makeup kits. Shatila, <laughs> <laughs> I may be on you for some wisdom and advice on that. <laughs> And I'll be signing up, ready to go. Hey, now. <laughs> Look forward to that call. Great. <laughs> as usual, I do appreciate our coffee shop conversation because, as you said, that's exactly what we do. We have a little conversation over some specific topics. And you put it all together in your blog, and I certainly want to encourage our listeners to not only listen to the show, but go to your blog for more information, especially your Friday Repeat that for us, please. The Friday what? Lighting Cup? Yeah, family, friendship, and faith. And really, anybody who's writing about um, family-friendly topics um, would love to have you come over and link up link up your posts. It's a great way to um, connect with new people, get new traffic to your site, and uh, really just have a lot of fun. Okay, maybe I'll drop in on one of these Fridays and leave a little comment there about parenting. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. We'd love to have you. Great, great, great. Well, Jed, we're just about out of time. We want to thank you very much for taking time today. And good luck with those kiddos, as you call them. And don't forget Mama. Mama comes first. <laughs> By the way, happy belated, happy belated Mother's Day to her. Please extend it to, to her from Shatila and me, please. I will tell Jenny, absolutely. All right, yeah, tell her we still win. I can't. Can't wait until yeah, we're still week. waiting for her to make. Yes, yes. Go ahead. 
Oh, I always enjoy diving in and just kind of seeing where the where the conversation will lead. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yes, yeah. great, great. I just thought to say we're waiting. We're still waiting for Jenny to make her appearance on the show, so she'll make her debut appearance on Coffee Shop Conversation segments on Monday mornings at ten. <laughs> okay, Jet. Thank you much. See you next week. All right, thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye. All right. Thanks ever so much. We'll see you later now. Okay, folks. We have come to the end of another episode of Coffee Shop Conversation segment with Jed Chichenko. And we are available all over the place. Until next time, we want to say, keep your head up, continue doing what you're doing, but keep in mind you're not alone you have help. Jed is on coffeeshotconversation.com and every Monday at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, 8 Mountain Time, or 7 Pacific Time, you can listen to Jed as he shares his wisdom on taken from his blog. So, Shatula, closing thought real quick. Stay tuned. Be sure to tune in next week at 10 o'clock. Very good, very good. Okay, folks, we'll see you then. Take care now. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.